So as an outsider, new classroom, what happened? Uh, we went through, uh, it was a three hour, two and a half hour class, so two hours was this talkative, energized discussion. And then my poems came up. They were the last poems on the mimeograph sheet. And he, I think I read one of them, and then he opened it for comments, and it was complete silence. Dead silence. Nobody spoke. And he was so cagey. He was a cagey, he knew timing. And, and I, you know, I took a bunch of courses with him and I recognize how he works now. He was so cagey that he just let the silence sit. He knew he was building drama. I thought, I need to go cry. <laughs> I need to go home. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm taking your time. And I'm sitting there like dying. And, uh, but he's enjoying it. So he sits down, and, so he's standing up, sits down on his desk. He used to do this funny thing, he had sunglasses and reading glasses and regular glasses and he's like switching them around. He opens up his briefcase and shuffles some papers and it felt like 20 minutes had passed, but it was probably five. Finally, he closes his briefcase, stands up, looks around, says, these poems are instantly publishable in any magazine in the country. I don't know how Mr. Davis did this. <laughs> and uh, I did not tear up then, but I talked to him a little bit after class, left the classroom, got in my battered 1968 Buick, and drove the 20 miles home, um, sobbing all the way. <laughs> sobbing all the way. And I got home, I couldn't see the road. Uh, because I was just a construction worker, and suddenly I was a poet. I, you know, I'd, I'd received the, uh, the benediction, you know, the certification. So from construction worker to the poet laureate of Santa Fe, right, to the director of the low-res creative writing program, MFA, uh, I, I, what is, what's the one thing you would probably tell any student who is looking to become a writer or a poet? You know, what piece of of your wisdom, your experience, would you say, if you do anything, do or think or say this before anything else? One piece. <laughs> well, I would, yeah, I would say, create your own high standards. And pursue them, regardless of publication, notoriety, rejection, regardless of all those other things. Like if you have a, um, figure out what you want. Figure out what the perfect poem looks like, the one that you're pursuing. Like what is that poem? And then just spend your whole life trying to trying to write the perfect poem. Um, regardless of perception, yeah. and I'm talking about poets. You know, it's different for writers. It's different. I mean, it's different for fiction writers, nonfiction writers. Um, there's a little bit. There's probably a sense of failure for fiction writers who don't, you know, acquire an audience and connect with an audience. But for me, poetry is like a spiritual quest. Um, I would write it regardless. 
if there were no, I mean, I have very few readers anyway, so um, I once said, if I could have seven readers, I'd be grateful, like seven people actually, you know, read the poems over and over. Um, that was probably aiming a little high. <laughs> um, three would be nice, but it doesn't really matter. And uh, finally, because I, I still think it's a spiritual place. It's it's you're after you're trying to write the poem that you need that you need to write in your life. Uh, so the the whole cult of like self promotion and all that. I, I, you know, I try to participate on behalf of my presses because they've invested in me and they need to sell books. But finally, what matters is if I can write the next poem, and if the next poem gets me closer to that poem, um, we're at 451. <laughs>